More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly and glad to be hanging out with you once again. You know how Law & Order has those ripped from the headlines episodes? I kind of feel like that this podcast needs episodes entitled Ripped from my Facebook feed because that seems to happen quite a bit. I don't know. I guess social media is just, it provides an endless well of blessing when it comes to material because people are constantly sharing their opinions on Facebook, no matter how obnoxious or arrogant or unkind they might be. They're plastered on Facebook for the whole world to see. And over the last several weeks, I've been seeing some pastors posting some memes about people not attending church, I guess is how I would just put it in a nutshell. And I'm going to share the memes with you here in just a second. But um, pastors sharing some quotes and memes that are just super, super tone deaf when it comes to survivors of abuse, specifically survivors of sexual abuse in the church, but I would say survivors of spiritual abuse in the church as well. Just very tone deaf stuff that I read it and I'm kind of like, how is it that you expect to reach hurting people or to help hurting people if you post stuff like this and shame the very people that you're supposed to be helping? And one of the conclusions I've come to is that there are pastors who just don't care that they're hurting people because they are worried about catering to their target audience because that target audience is going to amen and agree right along because it's not something they've ever had to deal with. And they're going to continue tithing and going to church every Sunday. And you get those butts in the seats and you get the money in the offering and then your salary keeps on pouring in. So I know that there are some pastors who just probably don't care if they're hurting or they just look at anyone who has hurt or has wounds as somebody who who's playing a victim. And that's the way that they're able to just, I guess, not have any compassion or empathy for those people. Um, So I'm going to share these memes with you and we'll get into kind of my feelings surrounding them and why I think that they're harmful to a community of survivors of church sexual abuse. That is massive. You know, this isn't a couple of people. This isn't one church out of every 100. It's it's a massive, massive problem. And even if you don't have a case in your church that you know of where somebody has been sexually abused by someone in the church, your congregation, if you are a pastor, is comprised of at least 25% survivors of sexual abuse, and a higher percentage of that are survivors of abuse of some kind. You have wounded and you have hurting people in your church every Sunday. And then you have some people like survivors of sexual abuse who are unable to even darken the door of a church because of what they experience when they walk inside. And it drives me nuts when pastors chalk up a survivor of sexual abuse within the church or spiritual abuse in a church or abuse of any kind. They chalk up their resistance to attending an organized church service on a Sunday. They chalk it up to somebody just, uh, you just don't want to show up to church. You just don't want to be in church. And they reduce it to posting a meme on Facebook. Um, And I'm going to quote this to you because this is actually a quote 
And Jaron Davis, I guess, is the original poster. And I'm just going to give him credit because they're his thoughts. And I don't know very much about him. But a pastor I know reposted this quote, and it kind of got this ball rolling on why I decided to go with this episode today of Survivor Sanctuary. And the quote is, no one has been hurt by church more than Jesus, and he still shows up. And of course, you know, the pastor who posted it, so good, so strong, print it and frame it. And you have a bunch of comments where people are like, amen, brother, amen to you, you know, slap on the back, pastor, preach it, that'll preach, you know, everybody just in this odd agreement. Oh, isn't that the truth? It's just so true. No one has been hurt by church more than Jesus, and he still shows up. And essentially, what excuse do we have if Jesus is still showing up after he was crucified on the cross, I guess, by the church is the point. I'm not positive, Um, but he's still showing up, and so should you. Of course, none of the nuance is addressed. You know, it's just Jesus was hurt by church, and he still goes, or he still would go. Therefore, so should you. And it's this attitude, and, and it's pretty arrogant as well, because it, again, doesn't take into consideration the people who have suffered very real hurt within a church. Listen, I'm not talking about somebody who got offended because somebody didn't like the shirt they wore to church one Sunday. I'm not talking about somebody who doesn't like the kind of music that your church sings. I'm not talking about somebody who's mad that the carpet is mauve instead of the wonderful forest green that they preferred in the sanctuary. Like, I'm not talking about that kind of church hurt. When you talk about church hurt, you are talking about people who have literally been spiritually and emotionally and often physically ripped to shreds by the people who are supposed to be an example of a shepherd to them, by people who are supposed to be protectors and spiritual leaders. And instead, these protectors and spiritual leaders brutally damaged them. But rather than looking at this damage and being willing to engage with it rather than looking to these people who have survived this hideous kind of abuse and have a struggle walking through your door on a Sunday morning rather than looking at those people and offering compassion or empathy or or just listening to what may have happened and 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 saying to yourself hey maybe we need to figure out why people have been hurt and why people are so wounded that they're unable to physically come into my church on Sunday maybe we need to ensure that we're not a church that is causing that to happen to some people. Rather than doing that, they make the entire problem that people's bottoms are not in the seats on a Sunday morning. Rather than examining what their church might be doing wrong, they take the very lazy way out. And I am going to call it lazy because it is. It's super lazy to just place the blame on the people who are leaving. The problem is that you left. That's the only problem. And the solution is that you come back rather than saying the problem is that you left because of some horrifying thing that happened to you and that has wounded you to the point where you struggle when you sit in a pew on a Sunday morning. Instead of tackling that, it's just you are the problem because you left and the church is, is never the problem and there's never anything that needs to be addressed. And your wounds don't need to be addressed because the only thing Jesus cares about is that your butt is in a seat on Sunday at a church. And that's wrong. It's wrong. Whenever people physically going to church becomes more important than the people who are going to church, you're wrong every single time. And so memes like that only serve to alienate you further from the people within your midst who are wounded. And again, not talking about people who don't like the brand of coffee that you sell in your cute little cafe on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about people, for instance, would you look at a woman 
Or would you look at a man or a young woman or a young man and, and say, hey, I get that your youth pastor raped you. Or I get that your pastor sexually assaulted you. I get that he was supposed to be counseling you and instead he raped you. I get that that hurt. But hey, no one's been hurt by church more than Jesus and he still shows up. Like literally, is that what you're going to say to somebody? Is that what you're going to say? It's arrogant and it's lazy and it shames people that you should have a heart to help. And that's not the only meme. There have been a couple, um, both posted by the same pastor um, within you know a week of each other. And it just, again, drove me crazy. And all the amens and preach it pastors in the comments didn't make it any better because basically... It's a self-serving, lazy, compassionless meme when you're supposed to be the shepherd of a flock and a shepherd lays down his life for his friends and a shepherd leaves those people in your comment section, you know, the ones that amen every single thing that you post because they think that the sun shines out of your butt crack. A real shepherd leaves those people behind to go out in search of the lost lamb and to go out in search of the lamb who needs help and isn't massaging your overinflated ego every second. So here's the second meme. I have no idea where this originated, but it's a photo of what appears to be maybe on a safari somewhere. And it's a pretty big group of zebras standing together, watching as a tiny zebra who's somehow gotten separated from the flock is being chased by a lion. And the group of zebras that's all safe and surrounded together, they're, they're named the church. The lion is named Satan, and he's chasing the little zebra. And the zebra says, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church. So clearly about to get devoured by Satan because, you know, you're a Christian away from the flock. Again, a gross oversimplification of the issue of someone not being able to go to a church or someone who has left a church because they have been completely and utterly broken by it. And I so want to post, and maybe I will, I, I so want to to post a fixed it, you know, when people are like, they write on memes and they're like, fixed it for you. I want to do that for this meme. Because what this meme doesn't show is all of the zebras in that big group that are actually lions dressed up like zebras And they've already tried to rip this little zebra apart. And that's why the zebra ran away in the first place. And now a lion who no longer has to be disguised is running after this zebra. Because that would be a more accurate depiction of how people are wounded. It's churches that are full of people who claim to be followers of Christ and who are instead picking the meat off of little lamb's bones. And they're the sheep that they are supposed to be shepherding and protecting. I think that one of the harmful things about memes like this is that they reduce people leaving churches to silly reasons like, oh, I'd rather sleep in on a Sunday or, oh, I'd rather sin. You know, I've been in church my whole life and I grew up in the church and everything was great. And I just woke up one day and decided, you know what? I really just want to spend my Sunday mornings playing golf and having nothing to do with Jesus anymore. So I think I'm just going to leave. Like it, it really oversimplifies what's super complex for a lot of people. People are not leaving churches in droves right now because they want to sin. By and large, that's not what's happening. 
People who were abused within the church, especially people who were sexually abused by pastors, by youth pastors, by Sunday school teachers, by deacons, by ushers passing the morning offering, whoever it might be, people who were abused in the church often physically cannot go because going in the building will literally bring on a panic attack for them or an anxiety attack for them that they literally sit and struggle within church. And I've shared this on the podcast before, and I'm not sure how much of this is related to um, sexual abuse within the church and how much it is related to kind of just some trauma surrounding being a pastor's kid and, and being a missionary kid and being constantly in churches and dealing with just some of the crap you've had to deal with. But I have long, long suffered from anxiety at church on Sundays, especially. But it's it's something that I never really recognized. But I'm like, why do I always have horrible, horrible anxiety on Sundays? And it would take a while after leaving church to kind of get out of that cloud of just like really not fun anxiety. And I never really understood the correlation between like being at church and having anxiety. But that's literally on Sundays at church. I could always expect to have very, very heightened anxiety. And it was super uncomfortable, like super uncomfortable, like a little bit panic inducing in some state cases, but it's just something that I dealt with. It's something that I learned to live with. Not fun, but definitely there. But that's anxiety that I'm I'm able to manage and to know, okay, something's often in my mind right now, in my brain, there's a, a, something at force in my brain that's been shaped by a childhood experience or, or something to that effect that's causing this. And I can kind of reason my way out of it, but there are some people who have literally been sexually assaulted by spiritual leaders who are quoting scripture to them to explain why it's okay for them to sexually assault them that have had every Bible verse and every Sunday hymn get so warped in their minds that church is literally not a safe emotional place for them. And you know what? It's easy to say, listen, Jesus was hurt and he still shows up and so should you. You know what? That That's a lazy man's way out. To have no compassion for those people, to have no empathy for those people, to not be able to look at them and say, you know what? Man was not made for church. Church was made for man. A person is much more important than a person's church attendance. You know, this person's mental health and well-being is more important than making sure their body is in this building on a Sunday. And again, I'm not a person that's saying, you know, it doesn't matter if you go to church or not. You, you know, like you should never darken the door again or churches hurt people, so you should never go. That's not what I'm advocating here. But I understand after living a lot of my life that way, and believing, oh, oh dear, if you don't go to church, you're definitely not going to heaven. I mean, if, if you're not there every Sunday, we're going to question your spirituality. We're going to question your Christianity. I went from that type of a person to a person who ministers regularly to people whose lives have been impacted by sexual abuse within the church and people who often are unable to physically go into a church building because they can't handle it. And you have those people who get to see snarky memes by pastors who are supposed to be loving shepherds that are basically shaming people who aren't showing up because church hurt. And oh, well, Jesus suffered it too, and he still shows up. I want to ask pastors, though, and, and, and church people who say that Jesus is showing up. First of all, I feel like you should really first examine if Jesus actually would, in fact, be showing up at your church for anything other than flipping over tables. And after you've sat with that question for a little while, and after you've examined that, like, is Jesus actually here? 
are we fostering an environment where we're actually worshiping Jesus? Are we controlling people and being spiritually abusive to people and taking people's money and not being accountable with it and treating people differently based on whether they tithe or not and mistreating our staff, underpaying them and overworking them and then gaslighting them whenever they have an issue? Like first examine if Jesus is actually showing up to your church for anything other than flipping over tables. And after you've examined that for a while, then maybe decide if your memes are helpful and if it's something that you should be posting on Facebook. And I think that that's the issue, the biggest issue for me with this. It's instead of a pastor asking himself, what can my church do to ensure that people feel safe here? that someone who's been hurt in another church is not gonna be afraid to walk through our doors. What can my church do to ensure that we aren't fostering abuse or coddling abusers? Instead of a pastor asking himself, is my church actually safe? Like he's posting snarky memes that are meant to shame people who don't do what he thinks that they need to be doing. And I will say this, I know that sometimes people post quotes and they share memes, and there's no ill intent behind it. Maybe they just saw it, and they're like, well, amen, that sounds really great, and they they don't really think hard about it. And I want to be clear that I know that that happens sometimes, and I understand that sometimes people who've never experienced abuse, spiritual abuse or sexual abuse within the church, maybe they don't understand. Maybe they don't have a family member who's ever gone through it, so they haven't had to walk through that journey themselves. So I understand. Sometimes people just post stuff, and it's not nice, you know, and they didn't think real hard about it, and if they knew that it had hurt somebody, they would just take it down. But I want to say something else, because I think that we're seeing a lot of this in the day and age that we live in. Way too many pastors aren't actually shepherds. They're pastors by vocation, because it's what they're good at. They're pastors by vocation because they're dynamic speakers. So they're essentially salesmen. So rather than shepherding people, they're in sales. And if you don't buy what they're selling, you threaten their commission. And speaking out about why people might be leaving the church, um, speaking out about any abuse, whether spiritual or sexual, might be in the church, Speaking out about that threatens sales. It threatens commission. So instead of shepherding people through their hurt and through their pain and through the abuse that they've suffered with the compassion that Jesus Christ would show these people, instead, they put all their focus on their target audience because in sales, there's a target market. Jesus's target market is people, period. But to the salesman masquerading as a shepherd of a flock... They're not going to focus on anybody who may have had a problem with the product. They're going to focus on people who are going to spend on what they're selling and what they're selling isn't Jesus. It's not the gospel. You know, growing up, I used to think that tickling ears meant being soft on sin. I used to think that when, you know, the pastors bring it up a lot, you know, you want a a pastor to come and tickle your ears and tell you what you want to hear. Um, I used to think that that's what it meant. You're being soft on sin. You're just letting people feel okay with their sin. Um, And actually, that may be true, but I no longer believe it in the same way that I believed it as a child. I think that tickling ears is simply telling people what they want to hear. And there is a lot of that going on in some of the most staunch, fundamental, Bible-thumping churches out there. Some people want 
to hear hellfire and brimstone. And they will be really upset with a pastor that doesn't bring that every Sunday. They want to hear that hellfire and brimstone. And it's not because it convicts them of their sin. It's because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel good because they can feel superior to all the wicked people that those verses apply to, and they never have to examine their own hearts to see if the way that they're living and the way that they're treating people is actually aligning with the gospel and actually aligns with Jesus. You'll get all the amens when you preach against something like, you know, abortion or transgender youth or or you spout partisan politics on Facebook or from the pulpit. You'll get all the amens when you preach against things like that. Because you're tickling your congregation's ears by just confirming their political bias, their spiritual bias, whatever it is, you're confirming it. You wouldn't dare talk about how their political views might be polluting their walk with Christ or how that meme they just shared really doesn't line up with scripture and doesn't model the compassion of Christ. You wouldn't dare because you're going to upset the people who are filling your coffers every Sunday and making sure that you get that nice fat paycheck every other week. And I'm just at the point in my advocacy, I'm at the point in my walk with Christ, I'm at the point, maybe it's just my age and the older I get, the less patience I have to deal with it. But I'm tired of salesmen masquerading as shepherds of flocks because a salesman only cares about his customer if he thinks that customer has a chance of opening their wallet. And if that sounds cynical, like I'll admit it, it is cynical. Um, but my cynicism is honed on years and years and years of experience with this. I've, again, been in church since I was a zygote. And I can tell you, I have a lot of firsthand experience with the narcissism of a pastor who is a salesman instead of a shepherd. I once had to sign a non-compete clause to get a job in ministry at a church. A non-compete clause. And I'm trying to picture... Any scenario in the New Testament where a non-compete clause would have been necessary, (laughs) like Jesus gathering the 12 disciples and being like, listen, you can be my followers, but first you got to sign this non-compete clause, promise that if you leave my group of disciples, that you're not going to be joining another group of disciples for at least two years. need you to sign on this line right here. And that's just kind of one of those little, maybe semi-laughable things that I experienced. I've been on the staff, the paid staff of a church one time in my life. And it was the worst 18 months of my entire life because of the spiritual abuse, the verbal abuse, the emotional abuse, the gaslighting, the just, it was the worst experience of my life. And I've been in employment of some kind since I was 18 years old. And my experience at this church was so horrific that I can honestly say in the, what, 24 plus years that I've been in some kind of employment, it was the absolute worst thing I've ever done to the point where I literally left with no plan of what I was going to do next and only enough money in the bank to last me about four weeks before I had no way to pay my bills. (laughs) And this was as an adult. It wasn't like some teen job. And it was so bad that being homeless and living in a cardboard box was preferential to continuing to be treated the way that I was treated. So when I see memes like this that take people's experiences within the church, people's experiences of being steamrolled, physically raped, or emotionally raped by people who are supposed to be, quote, men of God, and reducing their pain, reducing their emotional torment, their actual rape, 
in some cases, and they're ensuing fear of getting together with a church again to some sort of flippant disobedience to God's word, like reducing it to that is disgusting to me. It's disgusting. And I know, I know that I know that I know because we know the heart of Jesus because the Bible shows it to us, that when he looked out and saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. When he met with the wounded and the vulnerable, he met them with compassion. You know who he never showed compassion for? Religious leaders who thought they were doing everything right. Religious leaders who thought that the law was far, far, far more important than the human beings it was created for. These are the people that would have been posting snarky memes like this on Facebook if Facebook had been a thing back in Bible days. They would have been posting the zebra about to get eaten by the lion because it left church meme. (laughs) And their fellow Pharisees would have been in the comment section, electronically high-fiving them for that great zinger that put all those awful non-church-going people in their place. But I don't think Jesus would be high-fiving them because he never high-fived the good religious people who dutifully went to temple every Sunday and looked down on people who didn't. Because he loved people. He cared about people. And I think that the crux of it to me is when you post stuff like this, when you say stuff like this, when you believe stuff like this, Jesus was hurt by the church and he still shows up. Your focus is never on the hurt or the people who've actually been hurt. Your focus is always on the showing up. And it kind of reminds me of the Pharisees when Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Where is the example of a shepherd leaving the 99, the one who are obedient to him and hang on his every sermon and tithe regularly. Where's the example of him leaving the 99 and sacrificially going out of that comfort zone with all your yes people in search of the lost and broken lambs? I don't see it. I don't see it often. I'll say that because I know that there are examples of good people and good pastors. And and I want to be clear about that too, because I have experienced church hurt. I have experienced spiritual abuse at the hands of a spiritual leader and sexual abuse at the hands of a man who has dutifully gone to church and played the part of a super spiritual, wonderful person for the last 30 years. And yet I have still have still held out hope that not everybody in the church is like that, and that there are still places where you can find people who genuinely love the Lord and genuinely have the compassion of Christ. I've held on to that hope. So I'm not here to say that every person who is a pastor is some fake shepherd. I I don't believe that at all. But I will say if a church makes it clear that people physically going to church is more important than the people physically going to church, that's when you've lost me. Because I've seen too much. I mean, I talk to people um, who listen to this podcast, other survivors of sexual abuse, all the time. I read their stories in books and emails or hear them from their own mouths. People who spent their whole lives in a church, even after a pastor sexually assaulted them as a seven-year-old girl. People who've stayed and who, when they've told on that pastor for sexually assaulting them as a seven-year-old girl, have had to deal with congregations refusing to help, refusing to believe, 
raising money so the man can leave the country and, and go sexually assault little girls in another country. They're not isolated stories. And there's no excuse in this day and age for not understanding that. There's no excuse. God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves people who are crushed in spirit. He's moved with compassion for broken people. And you're posting snarky memes on your pastor Facebook page to shame them and to belittle them and to impress the yes men that you've surrounded yourself with. It's just gross. It's gross and it's not okay with me and I'm 100% positive it's not okay with Jesus either. People going to church will never, ever, ever be more important than the people going to church. So before you post your next snarky, arrogant meme on your pastoral Facebook, maybe consider the compassion of Christ for hurting people before you do that. And I just want to speak to survivors of sexual abuse for a second. This episode was really more calling out behavior that we're seeing from people who are mistreating survivors. But if you're a survivor and you struggle to darken the door of a church, it's something that causes you great anxiety or panic or pain, or like many of the people that I've talked to, you're unable to do it because of what's happened to you. I'm not here to tell you that you have to go to church or God's going to be mad at you. I'm not here to tell you that, oh, you need to be in fellowship, even though you were hurt. I'm, I'm not here to say any of that. I'm here to tell you, though, that there are people who look on you with compassion, people who actually follow Christ, who don't condemn you, who are broken over what you've gone through, and who understand that it's not as simple and as black and white as a Facebook meme wants to make it be. It's not. And we see you. I see you. Other survivor advocates and survivors themselves see you. And the most important, Jesus sees you. And this crap we're seeing on Facebook and crap we're hearing in sermons is not a reflection of him. And I know that it can seem hard. Like today, I was just super discouraged just by some news today. I saw that um, Ben Corson is back in ministry. Like, apparently he thinks it's fine. He was accused of sexual misconduct by multiple women, like a group of women. And a few months of, I guess, hiding, he's back to thinking he can spiritually shepherd people, which is just fantastic. We've got a Calvary church in California where the lead pastor has served time in prison for raping two boys and thinks it's perfectly fine to pastor a church that includes children. And apparently his congregation thinks it's fine too. We know of countless other pastors, youth pastors, deacons, missionaries who have been caught doing unspeakable things to children and continue on in ministry and continue to get the support of congregations who want to turn a blind eye to abuse. It's a struggle. Seeing how wrong things are and the suffering that's going on and not really being able to make significant change because instead of caring that these things are happening or caring about who they're happening to, all the focus seems to be on whether, you know, good Christian boys and girls are going to church enough. It's exhausting. It's emotionally and spiritually exhausting 
it's exhausting when there's so many people whose pastors or spiritual leaders have spiritually, verbally, emotionally abused them, sexually abused them, and they've abused them to the point that people are clinging to Jesus by a very skinny, frayed thread. And instead of looking at those people and saying, this is not Jesus. What you've been shown and what's been done to you, that's not Jesus. And offering compassion, so many of these shepherds, and I say that in quotes, are, are getting out their, their knives and bink, just finishing the thread off. Let me just finish cutting that for you. I guess I just wanted to let you know that I understand that frustration. I understand the exhaustion of it and the hurt of it. And I want to keep shining light on what's happening because I really think that the only way this changes is if we're so loud that we can't be ignored. And I do want to say if you need some encouragement, maybe you've struggled in this area, going to church, being hurt in the church, you know, missing that community, but also having a very real fear of trying to find a new community to be a part of. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You're free to share them with me. You can email me or you can post in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And I'd love to chat with you about it. You know, I don't have all the answers, but but I think sometimes it's good when you just name the problem and you can get it out and you can talk about it with people who understand. And I think we've got a great community of people who do understand and have been through very similar circumstances. And you can find us on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. Just search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast and request to join. And you can answer that multiple choice question. And then I'll add you into the group. But you got to answer that question. If you don't answer it, I'm going to assume that you think this podcast is about coupon clipping. And I'm not going to let you in the group. So make sure you answer that question. Well, I will catch you back here on another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.